Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you this evening with a glass of white wine. It's a Pinot Grigio, which is one of my favorite kinds of white wine, but I also enjoy a Chardonnay now and then. I'm so excited to bring you my guest today. Her name is Emma Jack. She's a physiotherapist out in London, Ontario. Uh, She's a sport and orthopedic therapist, as well as a Pilates rehabilitative therapist um, also. So she's incorporated that into her practice. And I reached out to Emma to be a guest because she has this great way of sharing her story, her journey as a physio, uh, you know, the challenges, the positives, and how she came to design her work-life harmony, so to speak. And in doing that, she has connected with other healthcare providers and has kind of created a community and is looking to grow that and also open that up to other providers who are feeling the same way. So you won't want to miss this episode. Tune in, connect, and reach out if you have any questions or um, want to share any comments. Emma, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm excited to be here too. Awesome. Uh, so first of all, what are you drinking tonight? So I am like, I am slightly embarrassed to say this, but I am actually drinking water at the moment. Um, I've had two coffees today. I have a Nespresso and I love my Nespresso. Um, but after 4 p.m., I, I got to switch to water. So uh, I'm just drinking water at the moment. <laughs> I, I can totally relate to the caffeine thing because after, yeah, like after three for me, I'm up all night. I'm highly sensitive to it. 
Um, so again, thank you so much for coming on. I just want to tell people a little backstory as to part of the reason why I invited you to, on the show, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I ran a poll the other day on Instagram and I thought it was really interesting and it was triggered by like my own reflection on my own practice. And now that I'm kind of doing speaking engagements and things, I've been reflecting on that. And, and I find that the biggest challenge for me is to share my story. So, you know, I usually start with a story and then I kind of get into the content, right? And, uh, and I was saying this to somebody that I'm like, oh my God, my story is so vast that it's so hard for me to kind of share it uh, with others. And in general, I, I find it's hard. So I, I ran a poll on Instagram uh, for clinicians and healthcare providers on how comfortable they were in sharing their story. And most people weren't comfortable, but you were I think one of two maybe that <laughs> that said you were completely comfortable. So I thought that was awesome. And I and you know, you and I've connected for a little while now and I have been like listening in, watching your social media, um, checking out your website and your blogs and stuff, and you really are comfortable in sharing it. But I, I wanna know if it was always that way or if it was intentionally that way and kind of get into that with you today if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So before we get into that, just tell me more about like who you are as a person without kind of starting with your work and, and all of that. Can you just tell me like who you are at the core? I love this question um, awesome. because this actually does get back to a huge part of my own story. Awesome. Um, I've had to do a lot of work like in this exact question um, because what I came up against sort of five, six years into my career was the fact that I defined myself by my job. Mm -hmm. And so much of my life was centered around my role as a physio. Um, and I knew who Emma the physio was um, and my career was going really well, but um, I got to a point where I had lost so many aspects of myself um, and who I was when I stripped the title physio away. So um, I love, love, love this question. Um, so uh, my new answer beyond, hi, I'm Emma and I'm a physiotherapist. And um, I'm a connector. I love connecting with people. I love hearing people's story. I love understanding what makes them tick. And I love, I mean, for a long, long time when I was you know, in grade school, instead of reading Babysitter's Club and storybooks, I was reading biographies. Um, I, I love creating connection, cultivating connection with other people. Um, I love acting in like a servant leadership position. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, not only in healthcare, but in other aspects of my life. Um, I, I love to be of service. Um, I love to have fun. I'm like a total goofball. And I think I actually like need to showcase that perhaps a little bit more on my social media. Um, but I love to have fun. I love to play. Um, I, I think that was a huge aspect of my life that I was ignoring. Sort of some of those fun things, hobbies, activities that I had always loved had sort of gone by the wayside. So I, I love to play. Um, and I love to grow and learn. I'm always trying to push myself forward um, and, and, and try to become continually sort of that best version of myself. That's awesome. So you're continuing to evolve, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you know, the fun play part that you spoke of, like I see that though, like if, when I go to Press Play Physio, like your website, 
I see that. That's the immediate vibe I get when I read the about section. I'm like, you know, you create that environment and you specifically kind of allude to that. So I love how you're bringing who you are more into what you do. That's, that's super awesome. And you are an amazing connector. And I want to get into that in a moment. But even going like you kind of touched a bit about um, kind of how you, you know, you were forced to kind of define or redefine who you are. Um, but what made you get into physio in the first place? And did that kind of lose itself along the way, like through school? And then when you started practicing, did you lose that initial purpose along the um, way? I think, honestly, I think, uh, like so many, um, physios um I was in physio myself like I, I had that firsthand experience um I was sort of a gymnast dancer growing up mm -hmm. constantly injured uh yeah. and yeah. so spent a lot of time with my my physiotherapist and so was just in that environment and and my my parents often joked like sometimes they were like I think she's better but she still wants to go to physio. Uh, <laughs> I was just I gonna ask what kept you going to physio then Emma. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally gonna ask that before you said that. Yeah. Um, but I just I really liked the environment. Um, I liked the aspect of like being active and like not sitting at a desk and being goal oriented. Like I just thought it was really cool mm -hmm. um, what, what physios got to do in their day to day. So to be honest, and I think I've said this a few times before, like I was probably 11 or 12 when I was like telling people like, I'm going to be a physio. That's amazing. And, and so I set everything up sort of from then on mm -hmm. in pursuit of, of fulfilling that goal. Um, and I think, um, you know, I always, I, I, I would be lying to say I'm anything but type A. Um, and, <laughs> I think and a lot so, of physios are. Yeah. And I, I think that, I think that's what gets us so far. And I think that, um, you know, you have to be a certain level of achiever in order to, um, to even get into physio school these days, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think I sort of let that get away from myself. I um, very quickly after graduating, I did a fellowship. Um, I started to pursue sort of more credentials. I sort of looked at these people who I idolized mm -hmm. and I wanted to become them. Um, so I went on this like crazy pursuit of all this professional development. Um, and I think within that, I started to lose myself um, mm -hmm. and, and sort of my perspective. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's um, where it all started for me. Can, if I could just um, touch base on that. So the people that you idolized, I'm assuming they were clinicians at a yeah. certain point in their career that you aspired to be. Is that, totally. is that right? Yeah. So did you actually like talk to them about or did you just presume it was all the professional development like stuff? Um, I think it was like a little bit of both. Like, okay. um, I mean, some people follow celebrities on Twitter and I was like following physios. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and even like my colleagues that I worked with, um, I, I, some of my mentors, you know, I, I looked at what they were able to do and how they were able to serve their clients. And I was just, you know, I, at that point, especially as a new grad, you're just like, oh man, they're like so good at what they do. And, right. and I, I think some of it was assumption and some of it is stories that are, are, are sort of passed down of like, these are the things that you should do 
if you want to be um, taken seriously and, and want to pursue, you know, I for a long time had this vision and this goal of going to the Olympics. Right. And, you know, there, there is criteria. Like if you want to go to the Olympics, you do have to have certain credentials. And, yep. and, and so um, it was kind of a bit of both, I suppose. Yeah. And I guess it would be like how behind the scenes, how all of that was managed. Right. Cause I think yeah. on the outside, a lot of clinicians who have that vast experience and expertise look like they have it all together right but <laughs> if you actually had a moment to connect which i'm sure you have now and you you've kind of established that with some and you are one you know you are an expert in a sense of what you do and, and the focus areas that you practice in but they'll tell you probably that it you know it wasn't so linear uh, yes yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <absolutely. laughs> you don't see what they're you know, uh, how messy their kitchen was or right. how many days it had been since they had seen their kids or like whatever, right? Um, those are all the things and I, I often, um, you know, I, I now try and be transparent when I am talking to students, new grads. Um, I try and make sure they understand, you know, by saying yes to doing some of these things, you're saying no to mm -hmm. some of these other um, life opportunities. So it's about really figuring out um, how you want to operate. Right, for sure. And I know for me personally too, just doing more on the, the personal development side and um, following some aspirations of my own. Yeah, my house is a little messier and things are a little more out of place. And, and it's really hard for me, like especially dishes, to let that go but <laughs> it, re it really is like a tug of war within yourself and just prioritizing right like what matters right now what's most important <laughs> exactly. yeah um so i saw too that you you've kind of expanded yourself into like the pilates movement-based therapy uh role and i saw that you had a did you also have a personal experience as a like through your gymnastics as well um integrating uh pilates or was that more as an adult that you started incorporating that? Um, it was kind of a bit of both. Like I, um, I mean, a lot of the issues I developed um, sort of through adolescence. Mm -hmm. um, and adolescence doing physio is not always the most, even though I wanted to be a physio, I maybe <laughs> was the best physio patient. Okay. Um, and so a lot of those issues followed me into my 20s into <laughs> while I was uh, in physio school. And it was actually, I was, I was having pretty significant low back pain during physio school sitting studying all the time yeah um, and it was actually one of my professors who said you know what you're like such a bendy gumby mobile body type yeah. I really think Pilates would be beneficial for you awesome um, and so I don't know how I paid for it looking back probably OSAP paid for it um yeah. <laughs> I started doing Pilates um and honestly like no word of a lie probably within five or six months I felt stronger, I felt stable, and like my back was, was great. Um, and so I always sort of stored that nugget away in my brain, mm -hmm. um, thinking that, and it, I mean, it's very similar sort of mindset and, and sort of that mind-body connection as ballet, as gymnastics. And so I, I think that's another reason I um, sort of connected with it more. Um, and so once I had finished all my other physio credentials, um, I <laughs> did uh, end up 
doing some training in Pilates and, and now not with every patient, but certainly right. I, I do treat a lot of dancers, gymnasts, figure skaters, or um, that more hypermobile body type that yep. need the work on stabilization. And so it's been really, really effective with that population. That's awesome. And do you find also with um, patients, you kind of talked about that a little bit of the mindfulness piece and the mind body connection. Do you yeah. find you integrate a little bit of that too, even within um, traditional physio practice? Do you For incorporate sure. a bit of that movement-based? Awesome. Yeah, um, I think even like the one of the nice things about Pilates is there is such an emphasis on the breath. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be amazing just when somebody comes in and that you can tell they've you know had a busy morning, they were yep. maybe stuck in traffic on the way to the appointment. <laughs> yeah. And you just yep. get them to lay down and take six deep breaths like nice, slow inhales, nice, slow exhales, it can just change the rest of their appointment. That's um, awesome. And so definitely something I uh, discuss. Yeah. So just even integrating that calmness is healing, right? Right off the get-go. Yeah. And you know, somebody's had a frantic um, moment leading up to the session. Just, yeah, just having them pause, right? Yeah. And, uh, in yeah. center. That's awesome. Uh, so you've been practicing since what year, Emma? Uh, 2012. 2012. Okay. And so when you got into the profession, right? Uh, so now you're in the profession, you're working, what would you say were the biggest challenges that you faced? Um, honestly, I feel like looking back, mm-hmm. probably like the biggest overall challenge, um, was figuring out how to manage people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like that's not something like I, I, and I'm not even convinced it's something you can necessarily be taught, but I had to do some pretty quick learning on how to work with people. I mean, you spend physio school learning about injuries and body parts and you don't really spend a lot of time talking about how to deal with people and how yeah. to you know, have conversations around expectations and um, maybe objections or, you know, and I think that was really the hardest part for me. And especially as a young clinician, there can be an intimidation factor there, right? Totally. Um, And so I think that was one also just like time. I I think we'll even find on this podcast, like I love talking to people and I can talk forever. Um, So also like just that element of time, my first, um, my first practice that I worked in, we were on 15 minute appointments and like, that was just not my jam. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You realize that quickly. (laughs) Um, So so that was definitely a challenge for me too. And so I guess it was, it was definitely the communication piece, right? Yeah. How to manage people, communicate with people within a certain timeframe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the biggest part that I'm realizing um, in speaking more about communication is, like you said, you, you know, you get into practice, you, you traditionally maybe are employed, right? And there's set time blocks, essentially, but, you know, uh, you're not realizing that you are actually just trying to learn how to work with people, never mind what you know already, but working with people. And then once you're aware of that's real, of what that's, that's actually what you're doing around the, the, the technical piece, then I feel like just bringing awareness to that, for me at least, has helped me work on it more. So like what kind of things have you done? So once you recognize that, once you realize, you know, I can't myself as a clinician be put into a 15 minute block because I like to engage with my patients (laughs) and, (laughs) you know, how to, yeah, reframe for patients to set up, you know, realistic expectations and, 
and help manage themselves, um, maybe chronically and stuff over time. You know, what are some things you did to help you manage people? Um, honestly, I, I, I've done a pretty deep dive into mm-hmm. sort of understanding habit formation um, and understanding how to communicate clearly. And um, I think one of the, honestly, one of the best courses I have taken, which is mm-hmm. funny because I've taken literally everything. Uh, <laughs> one of the best courses I've taken was a motivational interviewing course. Yes, I took that too. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it just cracked me open. Yeah. Uh, loved it. And and that really was a catalyst then to me deep diving into some books. Like I, I've read a ton of books um, around working with people, leadership. Um, and then ultimately, um, doing like my coaching, uh, certification, um, obviously it makes a huge difference too. So, um, and that has ultimately made the largest difference in my practice as well, as I've developed those skills around, you know, going deep with people as to what their barriers are and why they're and how they can overcome it and how they want to be held accountable that's where the the difference happens for people yeah Um, it's not you know this exercise versus that (laughs) exercise or this technique versus that technique none of that works yeah if they're if they're you know, not on board, not excited, not accountable to, um, to what they're doing. So, so yeah, um, that sort of stuff. And and I wish like for myself, just going back when I first started practicing too, I wish I would have been more aware of what, you know, of the, the the importance of the interaction and that being the treatment um, in itself, because I was so technically focused, uh, you know, I did the same, I just took a bunch of courses, yeah. and I just kept thinking more courses, you know, that would better help patients. And yeah, it cr- and my toolbox gets bigger, but I still have to interact, and I still have to introduce these, <laughs> these uh, techniques, and that in itself is not always easy. Um, and, and I think you know, we're conditioned, like, right, yeah. we're conditioned through our education, that yep. that is what you need, because that is what we're taught. And right. so the idea becomes an I was certainly like very similar to you, a victim of that. I spent close to $80,000 on mm-hmm. graduate courses. Wow. And ultimately I got to a point where I actually wanted out of the profession. So wow. clearly not the answer for me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I thought my investment was, <laughs> was much, but yours is like eight times that. Yeah, that's a hard lesson for sure. And I love how you said we were conditioned because I, you know, even the way, um, and, and I'm not like bashing education because I learned a lot and, and it was good for what it was at the time. Uh, but it really is one directional, right? Like it really is teacher, lecture, um, and, and, you know, analysis of your skills and evaluation of your skills. And, and there's not as much collaboration on that. Um, and it's a little more closed ended. At least that's what I found looking back and reflecting on that. Yeah, I, I often think like the, I mean, I don't, I, I don't get me wrong. I agree. Like, I think you know, a level of, of post-grad education is so important and, mm-hmm. and absolutely an important aspect. Um, but it, to me, it's the reason why I, I look back and I was taking more courses because I had insecurities about um, my ability to help people. 
Right. It yeah. wasn't because I, I, I often say now to people, don't take a course until you have the problem that that course will solve. Yeah. I was just taking like every course because I was like, well, maybe this will help. And it just really made me more confused because I, I didn't have the problem that this course was providing the solution for. Um, I, I, I think the thought was that taking more courses, I would be more confident and, and be able to treat people better. And that was just not the case. Yeah, it didn't quite fill that void yeah. or that that gap there, mm -hmm. like you thought. Um, and I think that comes with time and just and, and really like honest reflection over the years um, of practice, right? So can you so you kind of touched on this about five or six years ago, but can you tell me about that breaking point that you reached in your practice? What that felt like? Um, like you said, uh, it's just like you you reach a point and you have no choice but to change something because otherwise you're going to quit, right? Otherwise you're walking away from a profession that you've always wanted to do. Yeah. And, um, so do you mind sharing a little bit yeah. about that? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I, it was actually, it wasn't even like, honestly, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. It would have been the summer of 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just finishing up. I did, um, the master's of clinical science program at Western, and had just done my final FCAMP exam and, you know, it sort of reached the pinnacle for an orthopedic physio in terms mm -hmm. of credentials and, and finishing up um, those courses. And coinciding with that time, I had like off the chart anxiety. I had started having panic attacks that year before going to work. Um, I was burnt out. I was tired. Um, and really at that point, I, I literally remember saying to my partner, I said to him, like, honestly, working at Starbucks doesn't sound like it would be the worst right now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think we've all felt um, that way. Yeah, <laughs> I can relate um, to that. Yeah. That was <laughs> pretty big wake up call for me. Um, that, you know, I had invested all of this time and, and I had had this passion for this career and mm -hmm. I, I worked myself to a point that I no longer wanted to be in it. Yeah. Um, and that's when I knew I, I had to make a change. Um, and, but it, it took some time. I, um, I actually ended up, um, taking some time away from physio. I think I, okay. in my head, I've told people before it was six weeks. I don't think it was. I don't even think it was that long. <laughs> I think it was about maybe like a month. Um, I took away and I just traveled by myself in Scandinavia and just like let my brain simmer. And that was really when I, I did start to realize that everything I had done for the six years prior um, had been so in service of my career mm -hmm. and not in service of myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is when I really, I mean, that's why my clinic is called press play because that summer is the summer that I press play on like my own life. I started having more fun. Um, I was going to ask about that, like yeah. the, the deeper meaning behind it. <laughs> awesome. Um, and, and so it did take, I mean, I had had these little inklings for a while, but it literally did take until I like started having regular panic attacks and, and was not able to go to work. Um, it took that wow. for me to realize like I need to make a change. And, yeah. and so I, I did start to take more action after that. Like I did get back into practice, go back to work, but very 
very shortly after that, I started thinking about doing my own thing and creating it my own way. So that okay. served me as well as my clients. So you were still employed then at that time? Yeah, when I was at that point? I was an independent contractor at a clinic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But that's still, uh, like you're still at another clinic. You're still yeah. operating under their framework, essentially. Uh, yeah. So did is that when you started to kind of, like one of the things I noticed on your blog, which I think is really cool that you do, is you have a, um, sorry, on your website, is that you have a blog. And and it's not just clinical stuff for, for, for maybe potential patients or clients. It's for also for... Um, you know, clinicians too to read your blog and relate to your story. Is that about the time you started to document your journey? Like, started that to share that? Literally okay. the time I started it. Wow. I got home from my trip. Yes. And I was like, I need a creative outlet. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to create something that was not just physio. Wow. Um, and and so that's when I started uh, press play and it literally started as a blog just um, like you can see the first post is probably October of 2017 um, and I, yeah I have some recipes I have some book recommendations yeah. <laughs> I, I have a little bit of everything on there because I also think it's important for potential clients to see that I'm also human right um, and to me writing a blog about elbow pain just does not light a fire within me. <laughs> Same. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so, and so I don't do it. Um, <laughs> that's not to say it's wrong to do that. Not, not um, at all. Yeah. I think um, that helps showcase to people who I am and then they can make the decision if I'm the right fit. Right. And that's what I was just going to say is that it shows people who you are. Right. And yeah. we're all very layered and, yeah, this isn't all we just do. <laughs> it's it's yeah. treat injuries and ailments, <laughs> um, you know, and and like you know, going back to all the courses and stuff you took. That's kind of what you thought, um, but it took more reflection and and sharing that. I thought that was cool that you put that out there because that's pretty vulnerable of you. Um, was it just that you were like it was just your only outlet and you just shared it for that purpose, or did you think? Uh, like deeper did you think that okay maybe someone also feels the same way or was it just completely for your own uh, um, your own healing I think it was a little bit of both okay. I think it was very healing for me to get some of those ideas and those experiences out onto paper um and then I think it was I mean it's it's proven to be um, very beneficial for others as well, which um, I'm forever grateful for that, um, you know, by me putting my story out there and saying, you know what, this has actually been really hard and it doesn't always feel very good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's been really helpful. Um, I, I can't tell you the number of messages I, I get of people saying, oh my gosh, thank you for putting that out there. I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, and, and I think vulnerability always breeds vulnerability and Absolutely. so if you put your story out there um that will give somebody else the courage to say hey yeah i feel the same way too yeah and, and in doing that um you've kind of created a bit of a community right um and people have actually looked to you i would think in some capacity because you've been through it <laughs> you know you're right. going through it <laughs> so they look to you for a bit of guidance or just support and like you said it allows them to be vulnerable and i really think 
uh, again, as clinicians, and I've said this, that a, a big source of burnout is a lack of expression or a felt lack of expression. And, you know, all it takes is one person to say, this is how I feel. And for one other person to say, oh my God, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's, like, it, it's like a chain effect. Yeah. It's just like, you know, when people are like, does anybody have any questions? And then one person <laughs> raises their hand and then everybody's like, oh yeah, I thought I wondered that too. It's the exact same yeah, thing. It's association um, completely. You know, we, we are as much as we're all unique and different are, we are very much the same. Yeah. So if one person is going through it, in all likelihood, there's several other people out there who are going through the exact same thing. Absolutely. And one of the things you've been documenting is your journey to, to press play, right? Is your journey to discovering what that was and what it was for you to, to have your own sense of work-life harmony. And I think um, a lot of clinicians, um, depending on their, their, their frame of mind, think that that should be a systematic thing that that should be kind of given to us in a way and um but you created it right and that's what i think is the big difference is that you created what it was that you felt was best for you and would better serve your, your patients so i would love for you to talk a little bit about that like were you a little resistant on going on your own and, or were people a little resistant to it? Try to talk uh, out of it. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. I, I have um, an idea. <laughs> talk, like talk about personal development. If you yeah. want to do a deep dive in personal development, you start your own business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, what I had to do, uh, I had to, because I was at the point where either I was going to do my own thing or I had to find another career essentially yeah um I really had to sit down and I really had to be mindful to what would work for me like that wasn't working what I was doing was not working it wasn't serving me and so what might serve me what would feel good what feels manageable and how do how do I need to go about creating a business in order to serve me um and so it was really reverse engineered Mm -hmm. I sort of led with, you know, how much I wanted to work, how many hours, um, how long I wanted to see people for, um, and then reverse engineered it. Um, I knew I did not want to sort of take the business or any sort of clinic that was out there and just sort of curb and copy it and do my own. Right. Because that was going to get me the exact same place I was. Exactly. And so I knew I had to go about it in a different way and, and sort of not selfishly put myself <laughs> first because I knew that I would be a better clinician if I was happy. Yeah. And if I could walk in feeling energized and passionate and ready to serve. And I wasn't feeling that. So um, I really had to take some time and not look outward, um, which I had been doing for so long. I had been looking to other people with credentials they had, how they were, how they were running their business. I, I had done that for a long time. And so I had to stop looking outside and look within myself and, and figure out internally what I needed in order to feel fulfilled. Um, and, and to me, that meant, you know, a, a small little space that was, you know, happy and that, you know, I could easily work about 20 hours a week, mm -hmm. see the patients that lit me up and gave me energy. So figuring out what that patient archetype looked like, um, I knew I didn't, um, 
you know, want to have to deal with the stress of insurance companies and partial billing and partial payments. Yeah. I, I decided to go hundred percent private. Um, and you. I had a lot of people. Good for me, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of people, you know, say that's not possible. You can't do it. <laughs> you, you won't make any money. Uh, people aren't going to be willing if you don't direct bill. So many people were like, you have to direct bill. And I was like, ah, wow, I'm, I'm not going to. Um, and then I also had a lot of people who were in my corner. I had so many people who were like, you just go for this. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I did have a mix of both. I definitely had had people who were attached to an old model of physio, of mm -hmm. direct billing, um, WSIB, MBA. Um, if you don't do those, you won't, um, you won't be a success. And, and, and um, I had to tune that out. I had to ignore it. Um, yeah. and, and now I'm doing something that is serving me. Um, and I just know, and I see every day how making that change for myself has made a change in the clients that I'm interacting with. Amazing. I think you're the first therapist that I've talked to that has gone a hundred percent private because you know what, I'm at like a whole new respect level for you because that's something I, if I ever did or would have gone into private practice, that's exactly what I would have done too. Um, yeah. because I found when I was in private practice, um, things were dictated by insurers, not by oh, me as a clinician. And it was very ethically like challenging for me. I had a hard time with that integrity wise. And yeah, um, Jen, you are my soul. That is exactly <laughs> I literally wrote down in a notebook that ethically I felt really confused. And, yes. And unfortunately, and I, I, I'm not sure maybe it was just me, but you know, when I was, treating a client who was WSIB and I knew that you know at the end of the day that meant a lot less money on my paycheck mm -hmm. unfortunately like it did it does play with your mind I mean you you obviously do everything to the best of your ability for that client but it just felt different and I didn't like that feeling right um, and 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 I knew I didn't want to be chasing down insurance companies and doing form eights and right. that didn't light a fire. And so anything that doesn't light a fire for me, yeah, not happening. Yeah. And when you could spend that time treating, if anything, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so I totally get that. And I think at the core of what you're saying too, and I don't know if, if you realize this, but to me, it sounds like you started to recognize your value and you know, I, I recently said to a friend of mine who's a clinician, I said, you really need to start like charging more, like running around <laughs> hectic in private practice does, well, but it, you know, does bill third party and all that stuff. And I said, you really need to start charging more per visit because the value that you bring is so great. Like I, I'm here because of that. Right. Like, you know, and, and she looked at me and was like, really? Like, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, like, what are you worth? And I mean, I, I hate to attach a financial number to that. It's not really about that, but it's about your time. It's about your ability to be present and about your ability to help your patient heal and get results. And, um, well, and that's know. just it. I think there's, there's an awesome um, thing going around. I don't know if it's on Instagram or Twitter or something, but it, uh. it's something like you're not paying for the 30 minutes of my time. You're paying for the 10 years of hard work I've put into being able to treat you in 30 minutes. Right. Oh, I love that. That is so key. <laughs> like I tell any of the um, clinicians that I um, am coaching or working with, like raising their rates is like one of the first things I talk about. Um, I think physio definitely we are behind, I would say, on our worth. 
Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I, I really think we undervalue how much we are impacting people um, and, and the services that we are providing and the skill level that we're providing. Um, so don't worry, Jen, I'm definitely charging. Uh, yeah, you're like just oh, competing. I, mean, I you're think I more than most. <laughs> but you know what? Like you're, you're probably having good retention and you're probably not like running out of business, right? Like, you know, people pass word of mouth and such, we shouldn't undervalue that. I do always hope like the, I would rather have people come in for six really productive full on sessions mm -hmm. than come twice a week for 10 weeks um, at a lower rate. Yeah. I want to make sure if you're coming in, I am like ready to serve you at the highest level and if that means I'm doing things outside of your appointment, like I'm constantly emailing, getting check-ins on clients, yeah. I send them videos, pictures of their exercises, I liaise with their um, medical team. Like I really make sure when I take a client on that I can go above and beyond for them. Um, awesome. That that makes me feel good, and and that's what lights me up. And and yes, that that takes time, and and. I mean, it is also a business, so. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think sometimes through comparison, you know, if had they gone somewhere else, they could see the, the difference, right? And what that's worth, essentially. Are you finding, um, a bit off topic here, but are you finding, you, you mentioned like following up check-ins. Do you find that you give, when you're giving exercise prescription to, to patients, for example, things they can do on their own, are you doing that in the form of video? photo or do you do like paper handout old school type style uh no i've definitely definitely shifted into 21st awesome yeah <laughs> um, i uh yeah so i have um it's actually an app um that people can download for their smartphone uh, it also just emails them a pdf um and there's so it's it um comes from a library so it's not necessarily them if it's an exercise that well, i sort of tailored to them i will a video with their phone yeah um, and that, that's fine but um yes it sends videos pictures how many how often um, awesome. um all of that and what's that app emma just um, out of curiosity busy track Okay. Um, and patients within the app can message me and say, Hey, this one isn't going so well. Or like, is this how I do it? Like mm -hmm. there, there is a level of interaction that can happen within that app. So, um, they, it'll do push notifications. So it reminds them to do their exercises. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I really found for like accountability, it's been awesome and, and, and clients really like it. Yeah. And they don't feel just left on their own, right? Because yeah. there is that follow up on your part or. Yeah. yeah I always want people to feel somewhat held. I don't want to feel overbearing. Right. But I want people to understand like we're in this together. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, again, I, I don't see it as you're paying for this half hour with me. Mm -hmm. You're paying for this whole experience of getting better. Yeah, this journey essentially. Yeah. And I think we're realizing that too as clinicians that the healing process is really a journey. And yeah. it's, it's not just, yeah, it's not just, um, you, you can't really put a number on it, whether it's in minutes or, um, mm -hmm. or days or, or like numbers that way. Um, it evolves over time. And, you know, and that's where you develop that trust with your patient, I think, to have that continuous discussion of where they're at and where they feel they need to be to be fully healed yeah. um, and no longer requiring direct care per se. 
that's awesome. Um, so like one of the things that I love about you again, is that you just share your story um, so openly and so vulnerably, but in a way that empowers other people to do the same. So like, what is your advice to somebody who is listening, who's struggling to find their voice and struggling to articulate that? What would you um, suggest that they do or? I honestly feel like the biggest, and I mean, everybody's different, but I think the biggest thing for me was slowing down and listening to my own self mm -hmm. and, and getting the wisdom from within myself um, and not getting into that comparison, which can be so easy these days with social media and looking at everybody else's lives and their clinics and their careers. <laughs> It would seem like the whole world is just thriving. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I'm um, trying not to get into that comparison and really thinking, because everybody's different. Everybody's values are different. And, and what is it that, you know, when you're 95 years old, looking back on your life, what is it you're going to be most proud of? Mm -hmm. And for me at this point, what I'm most proud of has nothing to do with my career as a physio. Um, and, and so making sure that you are, you know, day to day acting in service of what matters to you most and, and recognizing that your career is but one part of yourself. Um, and then I think surrounding yourself with, with a good tribe, with people that you can have these conversations with and, and be able to open up and, and feel comfortable saying, you know what, I'm actually not okay. Um, I, I think that's also really, really key having that outlet, um, whether it's a best friend, a family member, a colleague. Um, I think if you are, if you are going through something like that, just even, even getting it out there and, and taking that first step of acknowledging it is so key. Awesome. Love that. Um, yeah, comparison, right? Especially on social, mm -hmm. big, big thing. Yeah, it's hard to kind of keep the two apart in a way to listen to yourself, but also be bombarded by everybody else. <laughs> it's a fine line. Totally. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. I, you know, every once in a while, I, I, I try and make sure to capture my failures or my losses or like, just like, you know, when shit hits the fan, I try and also let people know that that's happening. I, I, right. think, I, I think I could do a better job there. Um, that's something I'm sort of actively um, trying to make sure I'm doing. But um, I think the more, the more you start to look outside yourself, the, the harder it gets to find fulfillment. I completely agree. And when I like, same thing, when, when you're writing, like for me writing, I find I have to tune out like yeah. the world <laughs> in order to get yeah. more deep within myself, just creatively. Um, so what are you most proud of? Let's fast forward to 95 years old. What are you, <laughs> what are you most proud of? <laughs> to me, to at this me, point, um, it's the relationships I've formed. Awesome. Um, that, that, uh, you know, I hold, deepest in my heart and I'm so so grateful for um, and and so that's where cultivating relationships and connections comes first to me um, I don't care if I'm the best physio or if you know I am you know have a seven-figure multi-clinic you know taking yeah. over the world I, that doesn't matter to me and I, I don't want that because I know that's not going to be in service of 
of what feels um, most valuable to me. Right. And it's amazing that you know that, like, like that's really insightful at this point in your career. So would you say that building relationships that are sustainable, that are meaningful, um, would you say that that is your unique gift to your patients, to your profession at this point? I think that's a really important part for me. I think um, building that connection with my client is, is super important. Um, I would say the other, the other thing would be the energy I put into that mm-hmm. um, and the energy I put into um, my client care into their, and not just their rehab, but like I go all in. I want to, yeah. you know, I want to know about your kid's birthday party. Yes. I want to yeah. like, <laughs> And I remember that stuff and I, I that's yeah. important to me. And I think, it, um, I think that's part of the reason I've been successful in, in this sort of niche I've built for myself is because people can tell I, it's not like, you know, I'm like writing details down so that next time I can bring them up. It's like, no, like I, I just know this. Yeah. I know that you went to Mexico three weeks ago and I want to know how that was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really do care about the people I'm interacting with. Yeah. So it's like, even, even though you've cut your hours back technically of direct care, you've, you're able to offer more value in that, right. To your patients. And, and that's the on- only way I can do it. Right. I like, yeah, that's where you do have to get the cue cards. I mean, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. What's her name? Yeah. I don't remember. Um, uh, yeah. Like the people in that, I mean, again, some of that is why I do charge more is because I, I only, I'm only able to take on so many people and give them the, the care that, that feels good for me. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it is a lot of energy and that's why I have yeah. many hours to spend. <laughs> yeah. And, and patients really appreciate that. And, you know, and I think you're seeing it obviously because you're speaking to it, but that's healing for your patients and that, that mm-hmm. lets them realize that they're right where they should be. And, and it I think it allows them it. to open up more. Like, yeah. like I think it gives me that window of, you know, if somebody's coming in with headaches, mm-hmm. yes, obviously on day one, we're probably like doing more of talking more physical and range of motion and tone mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. But over time, as people get more comfortable, they open up about what's stressful in their life or how they don't have enough time to eat lunch or how they haven't had a drink of water in three days. Like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And and so that gives me a better opportunity to address some of those, you know, the issues that are maybe outside the strictly physical, but that are impacting the physical. Um, Yeah, you've become more attuned to those emotional uh, reasons or social uh, reasons that can contribute as well. I know that for me, I, I, I've been practicing for a while now, longer than you, and um, I've become really attuned to that kind of stuff uh, as well. Like even, I remember one patient not that long ago was pretty emotional, um, was going through something, uh, significant weakness and whatnot. And I can tell he was just very teary. So I asked about a social, um, and he had told me that he had lost his spouse. And I, and something in me just knew that this was the time around the time that he had lost his spouse. And sure enough, it was like a year to the day that he had lost his spouse. So, you know what I mean? Like, and I said, you know, like that, and I, and and bringing that to awareness to a patient is impactful for them. It's like, wow. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Like that could heighten my pain that could heighten, you know, certain things. And I think that's the kind of stuff where, you know, you could do all the right 
things with your technical toolbox and it would go nowhere. But just having him gain the awareness and the insight and be able to release what's going on inside of him to you yeah. is going to make much more of a difference. Yeah, uh, that tension. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Totally. So I'm glad you're noticing that too in your practice. That kind of makes me feel aligned as well. Mm -hmm. um, so what's next for you? Like you, you, um, you share your story. You've designed your practice the way you want. Mm -hmm. You're mentoring others in a way, or at least you're bringing people together. Yeah. Um, so like, what has all this opened up uh, for oh you? And, or, or are you just good where you're at? Like, is there something um, that you're seeing for seeing? <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of feel like again, my typing. I'll probably never be like fully satisfied with where I'm at. I'm always kind of like you know thinking what else I could do. I really do feel a strong um, pull towards um, having these discussions and opening up these conversations with other clinicians, especially clinicians who are struggling with imposter syndrome, anxiety, um, burnout, overwhelm, that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's something that's sort of come into um, my, my business and my practice over the past sort of eight months. Um, and that's feeling really good. That's feeling really aligned. Um, awesome. and, and it's bringing me some energy. So for sure, sort of, you know, I just ha I have a post-it note literally sitting in front of me on my computer that just says open, um, opens my word. Uh, Love just that. Just myself open to opportunities and, and open to um, the ability to impact. Awesome. Well, well, I can say that I'm so happy that we've connected and we're having this type of conversation today. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that in sharing this, other people will um, connect as well. So with that being said, where can people reach you, connect with you, um, see you if they're a patient potentially? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So um, probably the easiest, quickest way to connect with me is via Instagram. Um, my handle is at Press Play Physio. Um, my clinical practice is in London, Ontario, um, pretty much smack dab right downtown. Um, the website is pressplayphysio.com um, or email. Uh, I love to get email from people. Uh, Emma <laughs> at pressplayphysio.com. Awesome, Emma. Thank you again so much. This was an awesome conversation. You're wonderful. And I can totally see just in chatting with you, like the value and the healing that you bring to your patients every day. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks this so much. Been, uh, really fun. Awesome. Thank you, Emma. No problem.